Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, we always say you're in the right place, and you are, because this is where the best run. We have such a good show for you today. Let me start out with a buzz. I found this quote on a website called multichannelmerchant.com. That'll give you a little clue about where we're going with this. Here's the quote. Listen up. I've got some numbers in here. I want you to take notes. 92% of B2B buyers say that they prefer to buy online, while Gartner analysts estimate that by 2019, and it's not that far away, 41% of all revenue across all industries will come from digital channels. Now think about this. Okay, let me give you a little more background before I bring on my three very expert experts. Let's just put it this way. It was inevitable. B2B customers expect a consumer-grade shopping experience. Why? Well, we're all consumers in our non-business life. We have convenience. We have multi-channel. We can shop anywhere, anytime, any way we want. So what is this going to happen into the business world? What's going on with B2B customers? Well, similar to their consumer experiences, they're probably about 60% of the way through the buying process before they even talk to a vendor. So you vendors out there, you companies doing business B2B, that's a heads up for you. And what else? Well, B2B customers are demanding a lot. They want convenience. They want pricing transparency. They may even want try before you buy. That could be a real wide open eye opener for all of you out there. They even want personalized service. They want ease of purchasing. And when they're dealing with some complex technology purchases, they want extra help. Oh my, they're demanding, aren't they? Well, let's look at it from the side of the companies that are selling to them. Is your company ready? Can you deliver it all? Can you meet the consumer-grade experience? We're calling this episode the Amazon Effect, because that's what it is. Digital marketplaces for B2B customers. So welcome, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and let me tell you who my three, as I say, expert experts are. We have quite a great panel today. First up, welcoming back Tim Yates, Y-A-T-E-S, if you're looking for him, co-founder of Data Extreme, and he was on a couple weeks ago. I told Tim we have to stop meeting like this, or we have to keep meeting like this. And the next two panelists are newcomers. We're just delighted to welcome Diane Finelli. She is a Senior Vice President of Global Platform Channel at SAP. Busy lady, we're happy she's taking time out to join us today. And one of her colleagues at SAP, Steve Cohn. And if you're looking him up, K-O-H-N, that's an often multi-spelled last name, Global VP of Business Development, also at SAP. Welcome to everyone. Let's take a look at the opening quotes. This is how we'll get to know our panelists. First up, Tim Yates at Data Extreme has sent us a quote. I'm going to shorten this one. We've used it before, Tim, and I think it's very important. It's a quote from George Washington, 1732 to 1799, excuse me, one of the founding fathers of the U.S., and he was our first president. Here's the quote, the part we're looking at. We should not look back 
unless it is to derive useful lessons from past errors. Tim Yates, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Talk to me about uh, the quote. quote. Yeah. I like that quote uh, for this kind of topic series uh, that uh, I'm participating in because um, I feel like it's too easy for companies to be looking back at what they were doing or what they're currently doing and not uh, spending enough time looking forward at uh, where they need to be going. And uh, I think it was relevant uh, 200-plus years ago for George Washington, and uh, it's relevant today, and I venture a guess to say that this quote's going to be relevant 200 years from now. I think you're probably right, but let's just do a little bit deeper dive, Tim. You know I like to do that. Past errors. Do you think the past errors could be current errors where perhaps companies are saying, nah, it's a phase, it's a trend, and I'll be asking this to my other panelists, it's a trend, consumer grade, eh, it's still B2B, they still have to respect that we're we're doing business a certain way. Do you think that that past error could be a current point of view from the companies that are doing B2B? Absolutely, and I think if you, you look at it as, it, it, maybe not even so much past error, but past way of doing things, um, mm-hmm. you know, just to twist the quote a tiny bit, um, you know, we get complacent in the way we're, we're approaching uh, solving problems. We get complacent with the technology that we're working with. And, uh, you know, y- you need to, um, <clears throat> in, in order to take advantage of kind of these new technologies and the advantages of them, faster delivery, um, b- better customer outcomes. Um, we need to be looking at those those future technologies or new technologies coming out on the market. And I think what's um, difficult for customers to do sometimes is to get out of that um, that pattern or that habit because they're looking mm-hmm. at what they have, not at looking at where they need to be going. And and I think uh, you know that's super important, especially with the, the rate of change in which. We see uh, the intelligent technologies uh, occurring at each year. Uh, you know, I go to the trade shows for the industries, and, and uh, I'm, I just marvel at what has changed in, 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 in 12 months and what, what's possible now uh, and what will be possible a year from now. Thank you, Tim. Great perspective. That's exactly what I was looking for. We'll come back to you in a few minutes. And now let's go a little bit around the table to Diane Finelli at SAP. Diane has sent us a quote. I'm just going to say it's popularly attributed to Charles Darwin because everybody thinks it came from him. It was derived from his writings, and it was stated by a professor in the 1960s. But everybody likes to think it's from Darwin because it really follows what he was studying. Charles Robert Darwin, so many letters after his name, I can't print it. I can't remember them all, Diane. 1809 to 1882. He was an English naturalist, geologist, biologist, but best known for his contributions to the science of evolution. And the quote is perfect for our show today. So let me read the quote. And Diane, I'll ask you to relate it in your own words to our topic. So the quote is, it is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. Couldn't think of a better quote. It's perfect for today. Diane Fidelli, welcome. How are you? I'm super, Bonnie. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank so, you. Let me just give you a little bit of perspective from me on that quote and, and why I wanted to discuss it here. So in this world where technology and innovations are changing and impacting us, all of us, 
um, I see it that those companies that are really going to be able to succeed and to thrive are going to be those companies who have the best ability to adopt and be open to change. Mm-hmm. Because they are the ones who are going to win with all this new innovation and technology. And they're going to be able to bring new ideas to market quicker and to beat their com- competition or even get into new markets that they haven't thought of in the past. So I really do believe it's about these corporations and organizations being adaptable and being open and being able to change. Thank you, Diane. Let me ask you a question. Where, and and I assume we're talking about fairly big companies. I like to call them the big behemoth enterprises, if you will. Diane, where does this message of change have to reside? Is it always in the C-suite or is it middle-level managers? The idea that you need to be adaptable. Is this the opposite of the way a lot of companies are thinking? Meaning, are they saying, well, we're selling big ticket stuff and this is B2B and they have to come to us and do it our way? Where does change have to start from your point of view from the human side? Yeah, so I do think the C-suite absolutely needs to recognize it because if the C-suite doesn't recognize it, Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to be around. I don't think that company is going to be around. That being said, though, I think the awareness of things that are changing are going to happen and permeate throughout all different levels within an organization because people that are doing functions today are looking at things and saying, hmm, How could I do things better? How Mm -hmm. might we look at a new market? That doesn't all come from the C-suite. So I think organizations in many ways also have to open themselves up for new ideas and for, you know, people being um, able to bring new ideas forward for consideration in how a company needs to look and do things differently. Thank you very much. And Diane, did you agree with my opening that consumer-grade experience have permeated B2B? That's the premise of the show, but what's your thought on that? Is, is it true? I believe absolutely. I, I have done a lot of research on this topic as well. And, you know, you quoted, I think, um, you know, 41% of the purchases, you know, or, or, you know, they're doing work before they actually engage. I just saw something from, you know, uh, Think Google, where they're now mm-hmm. saying 70% of people what? are doing their research up front uh, digitally, becoming much more um, knowledgeable about the products that they want, about the services they want to engage with. Um, and I see this just taking off because people want to find new solutions, find ways on their own. They are not necessarily picking up the phone and doing it the traditional model. And I see that what we've done with our own consumer behaviors are absolutely happening within the enterprise and large organizations. Thank you very much, Diane. Great, great reality check. And let's go a little bit further around the table to Steve Cohn, who's waiting patiently. Steve, I told that to a guest last week on a show. I said, you're waiting patiently. And he came back with, how do you know I'm patient? It was, <laughs> it was okay. So I'm not going to ask you if you're being patient. Steve Cohn is waiting. And Steve has sent us a quote from Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela, middle name was Roli Lala. 
1918 to 2013 South African anti-apartheid revolutionary, political leader, and philanthropist who served as the president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999. And here is the quote. Listen up. This is also really on point for our show today. It always seems impossible until it is done. Steve Cohn, how are you? I'm fantastic, and thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here with this group. Um, The reason for this quote is because every day, each and every one of us gets to wake up and think about what we're going to do. And Nelson Mandela clearly earned his credibility in perseverance and hard work to get things done. But what's really interesting in the quote to me is seemingly impossible. And if you go back and look at all the things we thought were impossible 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, Right, and look at what we're able to do today. Look mm-hmm. at the things that can happen. Look at what change can occur. It's incredible. And I look at this B two B commerce space and when Amazon first came out and and what it was, and look forward to today and where we are and the the incredible point we're at, where all things are changing in the virtual capability and how we have to think very differently to take on what seems impossible and really make it reality because it's here and it's happening now and it's our job to take advantage of that. But just because things impossible doesn't mean they are. Now, now, let me toss this back a little bit to you, Steve, where I asked Diane a few minutes ago, does this need to understand the reality of being adaptable, of accepting change, of embracing change, of envisioning change? Does this come just from the C-suite? Let's see what your point of view is. Is it from middle management? Is it from new employees? Is it from consultants? Does it come to you from social media saying, hey, your company's kind of stuffy and in the dark ages, we need you to do X, Y, Z. Where do you think the the seed of this need to adapt comes from? Who's got the vision? Well, ultimately, I think it comes from everyone in the company, but it really comes from the consumer. Whoever your customer is, uh-huh. Right, is looking for different ways to experience your solutions. And whether you do it or your competitor does it or someone else does it, you have to find the right way to give the customer what they want at the time they want it. And that's where the change is occurring. The customer wants things and has new ways to ask for it, and we have to embrace that change. And I would say sometimes it is the C-suite that provides the vision. Sometimes it's a group of people inside of a company who who find a new way to do something different that can then blossom into something bigger. Or sometimes it is your customers asking you for specifically doing things in a very tactical way. Or sometimes it's your competitors did it and you have to copy. But one way or another, um, the customer is the ultimate person who's arbitrating whether or not you've got the right solution. Thank you. Another reality check. I like that. Thank you all for great opening quotes, great insights. We're off to a good start here. Let's circle back around the table. Tim Yates, on the off chance that somebody was not listening to you on the show a couple weeks ago, let's find out, number one, where you're calling from. Number two, what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world that puts that wonderful smile in your picture I'm looking at right now? And number three, refresh us. What do you do and what is Data Extreme? Tim Yates, you're up. Sure. So I'm joining you from uh, wonderful Williamsburg, Virginia. It's mm. a beautiful sunny day, and uh, I checked out the weather. It looks like uh, we're going to have a good sunny day tomorrow for Halloween, so I'm looking forward to a repeat of today's weather uh, for taking my kids out. Um, 
I'm going to go with, in my glass today, I'm drinking a Smokestack Lightning Bourbon Barrel Aged uh, Porter from Billsburg Brewery. This is my third Billsburg beer I've had on the show. And uh, it's a little colder. It's uh, the right time of year to be switching to a portal and uh, porter. And uh, this is a, an amazing beer. And uh, finally, um, what do I do? So I'm a 20-year SAP architect uh, in the SAP space. Uh, I run Data Extreme, and uh, we specialize in uh, developing SAP Cloud Platform applications. Uh, and we're specifically focused in the area of uh, customer service and uh, order management. Thank you very much. And, of course, you know I Google what you're drinking, and I found a little thing here on untapped, U-N-T-A-P-P-D dot com, and it says Smokestack Lightning, brewed by Piedmont Brewery and Kitchen as a smoked beer-style beer. Uh, and that's all I see here, smoked porter collaboration with Southern Soul Barbecue. That sounds like a place you need to go visit, Tim. What do you think? <laughs> Well, I might, except I'm vegan, so I probably would, oh. uh, would not go to the barbecue. <laughs> I I beg your but, apology. Thank you very much. No, well, maybe they're... I'll drink the beer all, I'll maybe drink the beer all day long, though. <laughs> while the, while they're having like the barbecue. Money. We could always barbecue <laughs> veggies for you. Not a problem. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Enjoy your time in Williamsburg. Let's go around the circle yeah. to Diane Finelli. Diane, we'd love to know a little bit about you since you're a newcomer to Game Changers. Where in the world are you today? What do you love to drink that puts your wonderful smile in the picture I'm looking at? A fabulous picture. And what is your role at SAP? What do you do? Yeah, so I am in sunny Newtown Square today in Pennsylvania. Uh, it is sunny. It's not an occasion we've seen many times lately, but uh, <laughs> we're thankful the sun's out, bright and shiny. Uh, what's in my glass? So I love Prosecco. Uh, there's mm. a great bottle, Nino Franco. Um, it's amazing. I It's off of the slopes of an ancient vineyard right on the slopes of the Italian Alps. And I've actually been there. Fascinating Ooh. place, ancient vineyard, right? That gets me. And uh, I love the bubbles because every time I have it, I am with friends and families just celebrating. And I'm, you know, always in a great mood when I have a glass in front of me. Lovely. And my role at SAP, mm -hmm. I am Senior Vice President, responsible for the Global Platform Channel business. Thank you very much. And Diane, I have to tell you, I'm going to read a little bit because some of our, I'm not going to say younger listeners, but it's possible. I know people here in my community love Prosecco. We had a party after a, a talent show that I emceed here, and they just brought out a case of Prosecco, and we downed it. We drowned ourselves in it. Prosecco is an Italian white wine. A controlled designation of origin can be Spumanti or Frizzanti or Tranquilo. It is made from Glera, G-L-E-R-A, grapes formerly known as Prosecco but other grape varieties may be included, maximum of up to 15% of the total, and then they give a whole bunch of grapes. Do you? And by the way, the name is derived from Prosecco, which is near Trieste, where the grape and wine originated. Did I do okay on that one, Diane? Outstanding, Bonnie. Outstanding. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. You can't make me laugh too much, Diane. We have to do a serious radio show here. Thank okay, you very much. Right. Back to business. I 
<laughs> okay, back to business. Steve Cohen, I can't ask you to top the two that have already mentioned where, where they are and what they do and what they're drinking, but we're going to give you a shot at it. So, Steve Cohen, where are you? What do you love to drink? And what do you do? So, I'm in what I think is the best place on earth, which is Northern California. Um, I'm here in sunny Palo Alto, which is sunny almost every day of the year. <laughs> um, I like to joke with my East Coast friends about that. But it's an awesome, clear day here today with a beautiful blue sky. Um, what I have in my cup would be, um, this will be a little bit more of a challenge for you, a lovely sine qua non wine. I'm a big wine collector and sharer. Um, my friends and I all open up really good wines and enjoy them. This is one of the cult wines I found with some good friends uh, over the years. Uh, each year they rename the wine, so I can't tell you which one I drink today. There's a white and two reds, and they're all very, very good. Um, the, the similar winery that we also found is even smaller, um, called Sangis, and they're beautiful, lovely red wines. And, and what I do will, I do? I, I wanted have, to, You tell me what you do, and then I'm going to read the background on the wine, because we've never had that okay. mentioned on the show. So you go ahead first. So I have the what may be one of the best jobs on earth, which mm. is I get to work with all the emerging partners, strategic emerging partners here at SAP, um, which are partners that are typically outside of the normal scope, people like Facebook and Uber. And so I get to wake up every day and challenge the way I think with the way the new disruptors are changing the environment and look at then how that helps my customers and how I can bring that together, um, whether it's new programs or new partnerships or new solutions, to ultimately bring real value to the customers. And I think it's just a fun growth, entertaining, new learning every day. That's a wonderful approach to a job. I, I admire and applaud you. I have a feeling that all of us on this call feel the same way about our roles. But, Steve, with your permission, let me just read a little bit. Uh, how did you pronounce it? Sine qua non or sine qua non? Sine qua non. Sine qua non. Okay, sine qua non was created after the 1994 harvest of a Bian Nacido Syrah named the Queen of Spades. Winemaker Manfred Krankel, K-R-A-N-K-L, feels strongly that each vintage is a completely unique wine, and thus he gives each wine a unique name. Good? Fantastic. Thank you. Okay, it's also called SQN, and it's a California cult winery known for its Rhone-style blends, a tendency to avoid repetition and limited production. We've covered it all. Three very interesting drinks from the three of you. In case you're curious, just in case, I am sitting here in my home office in Durham, North Carolina. We went from 90-degree temperatures about three weeks ago. Now we wake up, and it's between 38 and 41. All the plants have been taken in from the porch, and I found places with sunny windows inside. Yes, it's that time of the year, and it's early. It is a gorgeous day absolutely blue sky it's going to get up around 60 and i'm going to go early vote today and uh, diane you might get a kick out of this they quote they you know who they are they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days so all i'm allowed to have is water so i have a cool yeah. clear glass of water and that's all they let me have and we know why be the death of me bonnie the death of me. <laughs> there you go so i'm having my water 
and I'm looking out at the blue sky, and I am very grateful for my job, which is the opportunity to speak with really, really, really smart people like Tim Yates at Data Extreme, Diane Finelli at SAP, and Steve Cohn at SAP. Our topic today is a very interesting one, the Amazon effect. And out there in our listening audience all over the world, you may have heard that phrase, the Amazon effect, but it might have been in terms of how do people want to buy anything and everything today? Well, we are looking a little deeper into the topic. We're looking at the impact of the Amazon effect, the Amazon way of life, if you will, on B2B. And we're specifically talking about digital marketplaces for B2B customers. We just dipped our toe a little bit into the topic. We're going to take a quick break, 90 seconds. That's all we get. So everybody take a sip of something interesting. And when we come back, we're going to do a deep dive. Tim Yates will start us off on our effectively our real round table, but that's what we've been doing. And then we'll see what Tim wants to talk about. Then we'll go around and get Diane Finelli and Steve Cohn's input. Then we'll have a topic from Diane and one from Steve. And I'm going to learn along with them. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Aaron out. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever. The future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated, ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, including more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and demand for innovation to help the world run better and improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how moving to the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Changing the game with intelligent technologies is presented by S. SAP. Visit SAP.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with intelligent technologies. Yes, indeed. And that's what we're doing, changing the game with intelligent technologies with my experts today, Tim Yates at Data Extreme, Diane Finelli at SAP, and Steve Cohn at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be for the rest of the show. So we're going to launch our roundtable. Our topic, if you're just tuning in, is the Amazon Effect Digital marketplaces for B2B customers. Yes, that's what I really said. So let's find out more. Tim Yates is going to kick off the roundtable, and here's a provocative statement he sent me. I'll read it, then Tim will run with it for about two minutes, and we'll see what Diane has to say and what Steve has to say. So Tim says, companies that are not born in the cloud have to think differently. 
Tim Yates, all yours. Yes, yeah, so uh, thanks. So I think that's an important thought and statement uh, in, in the digital marketplace. And, and uh, from the perspective of as a software company that provides uh, partner solutions uh, to SAP, um, we've had to completely re-engineer our way of looking at things, um, developing software for on-premise, to, uh, moving those uh, strategies into uh, cloud-based configuration. And uh, it's not just rethinking the software, but rethinking how you build it, how you collect requirements for it, how you, um, how you build your processes around it. It's a complete transformation end to end and and it was uh it was a big jump for us as a as a uh, company in fact um you know having been in this marketplace for for over 20 years um we really had to kind of turn the whole organization on our ear and and just completely disrupt everything internally and act uh more like a startup organization and uh it was a lot of change um and uh, it was uh scary at times to uh, kind of change the way we looked at and uh, approach things. And I think, you know, as a, as a partner, it was something we needed to do to remain competitive in the marketplace. Uh, we needed to start thinking about cloud-based apps versus um, on-premise ones. And uh, I think it's as relevant to customers out there as well because, uh, you know, Similar things need to happen within their organizations. They need to rethink about how they deliver technology. They need to think about the processes they use. And, um, you know, in this digital marketplace that we're building, um, it, it's an absolute requirement because without doing these changes and without making these, these disruptive um, adaptations organizationally, um, you're just not able to move fast enough and take advantage of, um, you know, the opportunities that exist both from a technology perspective and a business perspective. Thank you, Tim. A couple of key words I heard in there, moving fast enough and disruption. Diane Finelli, love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree with Tim, please. Yeah, I, I, first of all, Tim, thanks for being a great partner at SAP. You know, we love, we love what you do, and we love to continue to work with you in, in next-generation areas. Um, I think fundamentally, I, Bonnie, I agree with Tim. I mm-hmm. think that um, this pa- the pace of technology and change re- does require companies like Tim to rethink how they would, you know, build a product, bring a product to market, make it easy for someone to deploy, you know, snap in easily to their existing landscape and architecture, not require a big, heavy re-engineering effort, um, I think really does uh, require companies like Tim's and other partners and even customers to rethink it. And when you're building and designing these products, it has to be so beautiful. It has to be functionally rich. But functionally rich is not what sells it. It's the beautification of that product, the simplicity of use, and easy adoption of that product into the customer's existing landscape. Super important. Um, And I think that companies more and more have to look at how they can take these areas of innovation, right, package it up, make it a solution, bring it to market, and actually have customers delighted by the experience. Because if they're delighted by that experience, they will do more and more purchases or more and more users with your company. 
Diane, you said beautiful and you said delightful. And to me, those are words that come from the Amazon effect. That's the consumer side, and you're bringing it into B2B. Am I right about that? Absolutely. It's a must. It's table. Thank you. You just don't think about B2B. You don't think about delighting and beautiful, but you have to today. And that goes back to the quote you opened with about survival and adaptation and being the fittest. And you have to accept those great words of wisdom, Diane. Thank you. Steve Cohn, let's get you in on this. Uh, What do you think about what we're talking about? Agree, disagree, add to it? So I would totally agree, but I would definitely add to it in other areas. The Mm -hmm. first is I would say in the on-premise world, which is the old enterprise software way of acting and building, and it, it was very different. And, and the new cloud world, the new, the new ability to have delivery and a SaaS model and those kind of aspects and quickly turn on, turn off, and consumption-based, dramatically changed what the customer expects. So to mm-hmm. Diane's point, it has to be beautiful, it has to be easy, it has to be... Um, easy to try, buy, all of that is true in a world that is very different than the way we used to sell and deploy and implement software. But in the same sense, at the same time, with the technologies being so different, like, like the Amazon marketplace or digital marketplaces overall, you can do new things with that tool. I can get trials of software that I couldn't do before. Before mm-hmm. I would bring a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of computers and set stuff up and make it possible. Now I just give you a, a code and you can log in and try it out, right? It, it, it's so different the way you can now do things. What, what, what we did with one-click purchasing is now what we're going to do with B2B software. We're at the very beginning, but you can start to see the, the, the pieces of it happen where lots of B2B marketplaces are now out there, but they're getting better and doing more with the tools that they have. I think it's an incredible era and there's just so much changing. And at the, at the core of it is this, this core component or technology, which I would call the digital marketplace. It's enabling digital transformation at a rate I've never seen. Thank you very much, Steve. Interesting. Tim, I'm going to keep this moving around the table because we have a lot more to cover. I think we had some really good comments. I know we did about what you started with. And I'm just going to add one more comment from Tim's notes. He says, business models are being disrupted by intelligent technologies every day. No business is immune. Just going to drop that on the table. More words of wisdom from Tim Yates. Diane Finelli, I'm looking at your notes here. And there was something in your second statement you sent me that just jumped out. I actually highlighted before the show, which I rarely do, Diane. I don't try to pre-select a topic, but this to me is the key, and you put that in your notes. You say, businesses need to think about building products to be bought rather than to be sold. Then the key is to deliver a digital buying experience. Diane, can you tell us more, please? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it sort of picks up on what I was talking about before. So mm-hmm. when, when you think about building products and, and solutions, and you have to really think about who your audience is, but with the world of people looking at digital marketplaces for new innovations that they want to evaluate, that they want to try, that they want to bring into their company, it has to be a digital experience. So if you are not designing your product to be showcased and bought digitally, you've really missed the mark. 
the days of expecting, um, you know, a traditional sales channel, whether it's, you know, your own sales organization or it's a partner organization that is effectively being your sales channel, if that's how you expect your products to be sold and you go into it with that mindset, you have missed a big opportunity with the whole notion of this Amazon effect with digital marketplaces, people coming in, experiencing it, being able to interact and engage when they want to, how they want to. Thank you very much. Very interesting, Diane. Is this an epiphany for some companies? For example, we have listeners all over the world to these shows, Game Changers Radio. Do you think somebody's listening and are saying, oh my God, Seriously? It's time. I had that thought. Now they're telling me it's real. Let's go change everything and give our customers a delightful, beautiful digital experience that's totally digital and brings in the Amazon effect and we're going to be successful. Do you think anybody is, is going to be able to react that fast and have that epiphany? Is it an awakening? Well, I, I believe people are, you know, experiencing this. I mean, look, the, the pace of people buying things, digital app, or enterprise applications on digital marketplaces increases year over year, you mm-hmm. know, in multiple, uh, north of 10% year-on-year growth. So this is significant growth we're seeing, and it's going to continue. And I think the mindset of people realizing that the products need additional channels. So it doesn't mean you don't have a traditional sales channel. That's fine. You can have Mm -hmm. that. But this gives you other options, other alternatives. But you have to make sure your product is properly placed, your product has a proper message, you are able to easily interact and do business with. So there's some additional things that people really need to think through. And again, you know, I see some of the partners that we have at SAP, and some of them absolutely have made the shift, just like Tim mentioned what his organization has done. But there are other ones out there who truly take their innovation, put it out there, but they don't really rethink how they want the, the customer and the end user to buy that application, to take that innovation. It's great functionally, doesn't look so pretty, not so simple, may not even have a trial. I mean, when I, when I work with partners and I get those conversations going and I see where they are, I am provocative in asking them to think mm-hmm. a bit differently and more open about that audience that they can attract as well. That was exactly what I was hoping you would say. Thank you, Diane. That's exactly the direction I was going in. Think provocatively. Think differently. Think outside the box. It is time. Steve Cohn, love to get your thoughts. We had a lot of great information from Diane. Agree or disagree? Well, I agree. Uh, I'll I'll spin it a slightly different way. In the consumer Mm -hmm. world, we had Amazon, right? You could buy all these things online. And so if I had a, you know, shirt, I I could buy it. But... What then emerged were new technologies, and and basically in the equivalent of what Diane was talking about, a new route to market where I can leverage a new tool called these virtual showrooms, where I could try on that shirt. I could put it on my face, my body, my whatever, and see that shirt on me before I bought it, right? Those are the kinds of changes that are starting to happen that you have to take advantage of. They may not appear to be you know, huge epiphanies. But if you're not reaching your customer the way they want to be sold to and the way they want to buy, and, and I think that's where Diane is absolutely correct. It's 
the way the customer wants to buy it is what you have to match. And that's a little different than just um, put your product out there and the best product wins. Thank you. And I have a little sidebar here. Tim, I'm getting ready to come around the table to you. Somebody named Kaylin, C-A-I-L-I-N, Yates, Y-A-T-E-S, coincidentally or not the same last name as Tim Yates, just tweeted, Diane, this is for you, Diane, listening to SAP Radio and Game Changers. Love Diane Finelli's point. Customers have to be delighted by the experience. Diane, just sharing that with you. So you've been immortalized by Kaylin Yates. We don't know who this person is. <laughs> just wanted I, I you to know you have a is, you have a new fan, Diane. Tim, join yes, us. What do you think? <laughs> I have to tell you that. So, Tim, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so you know, I don't for as a as a company building cloud apps. Um, you know, we actually started uh, many many years ago developing and designing apps that were on premise. And so uh, there is kind of an epiphany moment where you realize this is the direction you need to go. Um, but then you realize that there's quite a journey to get to where you're tr- trying to get to. And I say that because um, it, it kind of goes back to uh, actually the analogy Craig used a couple weeks ago on the show in that you kind of got a plane that's in the air flying and you got to start making adjustments to it while you're still in the air. And so, uh, you know, the trick for us has been to look at, uh, you know, how to take uh, the technology and the IP that we had, how to uh, cloud enable it, how to deliver it differently, faster, more flexible, and how to um, really a- adapt how we sell it. And all of those things are changing simultaneously how we're building. Uh, how we're delivering, and how we're selling. And, you know, as our technology is changing, we're also following that that technology changes in the digital marketplace. So um, in taking advantage of some of those opportunities. So, uh, you know, we sell through uh, the SAP App Center with our solution. And, uh, you know, as soon as it became available to start demoing a solution with a free trial, uh, we then had to figure out how to clip into that and re-engineer it. So, I, you know, I think um, how we sell these solutions is, is absolutely changing. You know, at a tactical level, it's, uh, you know, more like just moving the bar up a little bit each in each of the areas and trying to keep them aligned at the same time um, so that you do engage these digital customers that are researching your solution. Uh, you know, looking for, you know, they have business challenges and problems they're trying to solve. And obviously, the most important aspect of, of uh, you know, a, a B2B digital marketplace is them being able to find solutions that fit your problem. And then, you know, so that there's challenge in that alone. And then once you get past that, it's, you know, hooking them to the they become interested in it. So I think, you know, at least in, in the case of my organization, we continue to learn um, as uh, we sell the solution and as the digital marketplace technologies changes, we keep uh, change, uh, we keep adjusting kind of our strategy. And, you know, so far it's it's been uh, working quite well for us. So um, I, I think it, it's, a, it's a very big shift, though, in the B2B software space. And uh, I think the shift is going to, you know, continue to accelerate as well as uh, disrupt in those companies and specifically partners that are not looking in this direction uh, are absolutely going to get disrupted if they don't, uh, you know, 
get on this uh, on this trend and uh, you know look to modernize their products and the way they sell them. Thank you very much, Tim. Diane, I want to move on to something from Steve Cohn's notes, but is there anything you wanted to fit in here about what the two co-panelists, you two co-panelists said about your topic? You good? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Thank you. Steve Cohn, I'm looking at a couple things here. We don't have a lot of time, but I want to read two statements here that I think are as provocative as what we've been talking about. You say, first, you need to over-promote a digital marketplace and apps to create muscle memory in customers. Get them looking online and in the marketplace without even thinking about it. That's the first thing you said. Second is digital marketplaces allow disruptors to engage with early adopters more easily and quickly, ultimately creating a much faster product life cycle. I don't know if we have time for both, but Steve, you want to just give us a little insight and then we'll see what Diane and Tim have to say. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, so first let me let me deal with the marketplace one because I think that's the fastest, mm-hmm. which is if it's a new channel, you must invest in it. You can't just throw it out there and assume it'll work. Um, it, 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 it requires real investment from all the parties in a marketplace. A marketplace is not generally just the uh, participant that put it up typically or, or like in the old school world, channel master, right? But it's all the different participants in there, which is the customers and the partners. And ultimately, you have to have a good experience there and then and make the investments. And it's marketing to make sure people know where it is and how to do it. It's investments in technology to make sure it's better and able to do new things and faster and, and, and in a better way and giving customers that fresh experience they expect in the consumer world. On the digital innovation and disruptor side, mm-hmm. What I would say is it's really interesting when you build the technologies the way Diane, Diane described earlier, and, and Tim is, is already experiencing anything as he was describing in his previous statement, right? The, the idea is I can put things out there a customer can try, and if it's built in a way that allows you to plug it in, try it out, see what comes out, you can do things and learn things and act faster. And what you'll find is the barrier to entry to finding that that holy grail for every one of the companies, which is mm-hmm. the first customer, the second customer, the making sure it works, finding someone who has your problem, the digital marketplace can totally help you do very, very quickly. The ability to get that customer's feedback and try it and find that customer and ultimately find these new ideas and be able to leverage them before they could find you is, a, is what the digital marketplace brings to you. That, that transformation, I think I've seen in a number of the partners um, even in, in Tim's area where we can quickly bring things up and, and, and try them out. I think the customers enjoy that opportunity and they, they really like seeing the new technologies and what they can bring to them or the new processes or the new IP. It's, it's, it's incredibly powerful for those companies to be able to act with new companies. Steve, it almost sounds to me like I mentioned in my opening, try before you buy is something that the Amazon effect is having an impact on on business customers. It sounds like it's not just try before you buy, it's try before anybody buys, right? If it's before, with an early adopter and a disruptor, I'm just going to leave that one on the table. Let's go around the table and see what that was, Steve. So Tim Yates, thoughts about the two topics we just heard from Steve Cohn. Yeah, so I'll hit on the kind of like try before you buy piece and, and that component, because it's something that, you know, we're still trying to wrap our hands around in, in terms of how to successfully do that. Um, it, it, it's something that I think partners and technologists that are building solutions 
need to really think through. Uh, you know, you have applications that are pretty uh, lightweight, and uh, that's pretty easy to do uh, in in something with a limited technology scope. Um, one of the challenges my organization is working through is we have a pretty complex uh, technology stack in terms of the number of businesses we could uh, solution with our, our particular product. And so the trick for us is trying to, to not only um, – get the product in the hands of the customer, but also show them um, their particular use cases for it. And so that's something we, uh, as an organization at Data Extreme, are, are still trying to wrap our hands around and, and come up with the right strategy for that. And so, you know, we've kind of, while we're, we're working through that, we've, uh, we've taken an approach where a customer signs up to use the solution, we'll actually engage with them uh, if uh, they're interested and spend an hour with them just kind of walking through kind of options and things they can do. Ultimately, we want that to be something they'll be able to do on their own in the future. And again, it's a journey uh, from an organizational perspective. So I think that's uh, something that all partners will be, be trying to figure out how to really create that experience so that they can tru- a customer can truly click on a solution, try it, see it fits their particular business need, and then immediately go to buying it. And I think there's still work. I know for my organization, and I think other software companies are probably still trying to figure out that right mix. Thank you very much. Diane Finelli, I have time to get your input on this just briefly, about 60 seconds, and then we're going to go around for our predictions. So, Diane, what do you think about what we just started with Steve and what Tim added to it? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think when you, you talk about the digital marketplace and where it's going, it absolutely requires investment and it requires commitment. These things don't happen overnight. They don't happen over a short sprint, right? They, they continue to grow and evolve, but the companies and corporations have to also have that expectation of feeding it, making sure they continue to develop it and maintain it to make it a great experience. And feedback that you get from your customers and your partners is vitally important to make it vibrant and rich and continue to improve. I think the, the one thing, Tim, that I would just touch upon with your challenge that you have with your customers is, you know, when you built these products, I understand they're not super lightweight. Some are fairly, in, you know, sophisticated. I think in the future you might think about how you might even break them up a bit into smaller uh, bite-sized apps that people could deploy um, in, a, in a fashion um, that is easier for them to uh, digest it and understand it. And I'm not, I'm not proposing and I'm not being you know, flippant that it would be easy or something that can be done simply, but you may want to consider that type of approach as you do um, more and more applications, more in a modular type way, smaller um, functionality so that people could figure it out in a simple way. The use case is there, and they literally could snap it in. So just something to consider for your future apps that you might develop. Thank you, Diane. Very interesting. Tim Yates, I'm circling around to you. We're on the clock now. I can give you each 60 seconds. That's really seriously all we have. So, Tim Yates, crystal ball predictions time. Take a look into the future. What will change about the Amazon effect? Will it become the Tim Yates effect or the Diane Finelli effect? What do you think? Okay, 60 seconds. Predictions. Tim Yates, go. 
I think the Amazon effect is going to truly impact the B2B world uh, from the perspective of in the future, you're going to see more and more software developed by uh, smaller partners to meet specific niches. And uh, from that perspective, it'll it'll leverage the larger technology companies and the technologies that they offer. But the actual um, end result, the simple applications, the beautiful designs, the adaptable approaches are, are going to come from smaller organizations uh, leveraging, um, you know, the, the marketplace that's out there, and uh, they'll be competitive at it. Thank you very much. Took, took a sip of my water. I needed to tell you, Fidelli, you're up 60 seconds. Love to hear your prediction. Go. Yeah, so I think, look, by 2020, this is not my prediction. This is out there in the, in the marketplace, mm-hmm. right, that, 97, that um, 46% of the employees in businesses will be millennials. And we know that millennials like to purchase 97%, they do their information and their buying decisions um, via the marketplace. So it is here. What I would say is you're going to see more and more of this in the next year and, and five years out, and it is going to test all of us on these digital marketplaces that we've never even seen before and that we haven't thought of. But I think it's a huge opportunity for everybody to get in and engage because I think the uh, opportunity is awesome. Thank you. There's another great word. Awesome. We had beautiful. We had delightful. Now we've got awesome. And so are you. Thank you very much, Diane. (laughs) Steve Cohen, I've got 60 seconds with your name on them. Go. So I'm going to be bold. I think the digital marketplaces are an incredibly compelling, enabling technology. But what I would say is within the next three years, the majority of the B2B purchase decisions are going to be influenced by what we call the intelligent enterprise. Things that know what you need, what your role is, what your company prefers, what solution you're in. In the context of what you're doing and who you are, you will be getting surfaced the ability to find, buy, and try things. Thank you very much. I want to thank that. that I, I love the deep. Have you done radio before, Steve? You have a radio voice. You know that? <laughs> thank you much, but no. You're welcome. Okay, Diane liked that one. So I want to give our shout-out. Thank you to Pamela Dunn and Rasheen Monahan for sponsoring the series, and a special shout-out to Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, the business channel, for getting us on the air and keeping us there. I have 30 seconds to close, so here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like my three very special guests. I have to say to the three of you, what an insightful and lively and exciting conversation. And I learned a lot, and I know our listeners did. So let me do the call to action again. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Tim Yates at Data Extreme, just like Diane Finelli at SAP, and just like Steve Cohen at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for today. I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, with a new episode of Coffee Break with Game Changers, our flagship show talking about social selling. And guess what? We're going to be focusing on, get this, Instagram for B2B. You won't believe what you're going to learn from that show. See you at 11 o'clock tomorrow. Bye-bye.
Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.